Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome back to Pop Culture, the podcast that puts soft drinks at the top of the menu. I'm your host, Kat Brown, arts journalist and author of It's Not a Bloody Trend, Understanding Life as an ADHD Adult. And with me as always is Helen O'Hara, author, journalist and lifelong teetotaler. Hello! I realise I just gave you the most insane introduction, which was, <laughs> today, I am the podcast, Helen. I am just living and breathing, being audio. How are you doing today? I am doing well. I've been having a very busy week. I've been working on a couple of big projects, but it's also been a really nice week. You know, uh, obviously we had our fabulous adventure last week, but this week has included Valentine's Day. And for once I went out for dinner on Valentine's Sweet Day. Woo. I know, so exciting. But now I was out for a work meal as well. I was at a junket. You know, I've Ooh. left the house multiple times. It's been pretty crazy. I'm loving this for you. It's like January is well and truly buried in the ground now. Absolutely, and good riddance. How about you, Kat? How's your week been? It's been pretty good. I've been trying to take copies of the next book that is coming out 49 days after my first book, which is <laughs> interesting and mad timing. I've been dropping copies of that round to bookshops, but I think I really need to work on my patter because today I went to a very nice independent bookshop in Wimbledon and offered up my books. And the lady looked at me and then sort of Googled nervously. And I genuinely think she thought I was some insane person who had just created a book by hand and come in and gone, hello, will, will you sell this single copy of a book for me? Because I keep seeing it on like Twitter all the time, like authors going and dropping off copies of their books and everything, but I'm just messing this up. So I need, I need advice on how to do this in a non-insane way. I, I have no such advice. As you know, I'm the world's worst person at marketing myself or anything I care about. So um, good times, good times. I was heartened by a few things this week. So like I say, I went out for, for dinner and I found really good soft drinks choices in both of my venues. So I went to a San Carlo oh. restaurant called Isola mm. um, on Valentine's night. And I went to just a Bill's for, for work lunch as well during the week. And both of them had a soft drinks menu and then a sort of alcohol-free, you know, beers and so on menu. And then a really good lineup of mocktails and soft mixed drinks, which was exciting. Now, was there anything to challenge my love, my true love, the Boulevardier? No. But we live in hope, right? I mean, your true Valentine of 2024. My commiserations to your fiancé, Andrea, but no. No, yeah, it, it, it was love at first uh, smell, actually, even before I got to the taste of that drink. But these were these were nice. And I just again, I'm, I'm getting excited that I'm seeing a proper selection at chains of restaurants that are you know available around the country. I think I think San Carlo actually is only in London, but it's at like six different locations in London, um, which is a start. And um, and Bill's, of course, is quite accessible to many parts of the UK. So it's it's you know it's beginning to kind of spread, and it's really nice to see that happening. Unrelated to soft drinks, but the last time I was in a Bill's, uh, I was in Guildford, and coincidentally, the previous time that I had been in Guildford was when I was at Sixth Form College. And on this visit to Bill's, I saw somebody 
like a young lady of about 16, 17, dressed exactly as I was the last time that I was in Guildford. So that made, me, that made me truly appreciate both the cycle of life and that uh, carpenter <laughs> jeans are not something that I personally wish to revisit. Oh man, I used to live in those with a little <laughs> hook for your hand. I guess it's probably for a hammer, but for me, it was for my hand. Ah, fantastic. What, what grabbed you off the menu? Um, I had, I think it was a, a berry spritz or a cherry and flower spritz um, at Bill's, which was, which was nice, not overly sweet, although mm -hmm. definitely you could taste that there was sort of pink lemonade involved there somewhere. Mm -hmm. And then at Isola, I had something that was, I have to say, pretty freaking delectable. So it was, let me see if I can get this right. It was an Italian oud. Now, I'm not sure where oud comes into this. Uh, the, the ingredients are Everleaf Forest, pineapple, passion fruit, and you got a little shot of a, quite a, a strong ginger beer on the side, which oh, maybe nice. I should have tipped in, but I just necked. Um, uh, the, the pineapple, I, I kind of took over the drink. But in a very pleasant way, you know, mm. it was a very nice, and there was a sort of, it was almost like a pineapple foam on top Ooh, of yes. that sort of fruity mix. So, so it was sweet. It was sweet. I'm not going to lie, but it did give that impression of being a sort of, I'm guessing, and I'm going entirely from looks and not from taste, but the look of a kind of porn star martini, I guess. As soon as you mentioned having a shot of something to go alongside, I was like, there it is. When you say oud, do you mean like O-U-D, like the quite mm. strong fragrance? Yes, which is, I'm not sure where that comes into this drink, if I'm honest. Um, mm. Maybe they were referring to the alien race in Doctor Who. I don't know. But <laughs> ah! um, but certainly in terms of the fragrance, I wasn't getting much of that from it. No. Well, you mentioned sweet lemonades, and I'm afraid I did not have a lovely drink on Valentine's Day. Uh, oh, no. purely, uh, and I'm purely going to blame Marks and Spencers for this and not my own poor preparation. My husband thought he was going to be away for the day itself and obviously, you know, God forbid. So like a very sensible preparational man, he went to M&S and bought the meal deal for Valentine's Day on Monday. Really like gorgeous value, cocky Saint-Jacques and then a really lovely Ooh. mushroom stroganoff pie and salted caramel profiteroles, tick, 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 very good. And then you got a bottle of Prosecco with it, which for 25 quid all in, in 2024, when I've seen jars of Nescafe going for a tenner, that felt like extraordinary value. But my little bugbear, the non-alcoholic alternative was not the rather good frizzanti that we had the other week. It was a bottle of raspberry lemonade. Oh. I mean, I don't quite understand how that is the equal of a bottle of Prosecco, which mm. is dry, dry, dry. Um, again, my husband just sort of, thought that maybe they were confused and thought that the only person interested in a non-alcoholic Valentine's meal might be a literal child. I, I would love to frankly see a small child scraping cocky Jean-Jacques out of a seashell <laughs> rather than being wildly disappointed. Yeah, that felt annoying, particularly irritating because I looked in the fridge the next day and realised that I just had a load of really nice non-alcoholic drinks that I just completely forgotten were there. <laughs> well, this is what we're learning from doing this podcast. We're, we're now kind of, I, certainly I am now assembling a sort of Avengers of, you know, bottles and cans yes. where I bought a six pack and we've only drunk two of them so far. So uh, yeah, it's quite fun. But I, I, yeah, I do, I do get where you're coming from. Again, I am a fan of raspberry lemonade. I like it. Yes. I think it's nice. Yes, it is very sweet and it is quite strong. Um, as I found in that Bill's drink. And, and it really does kind of take over a meal. So it, you're right, it doesn't do the same job. And I think we're back to Melania again on the Fat Duck last week, but it doesn't do the same job of matching and enhancing the flavors of the food. It's doing a completely different job, which is to taste of sugar and raspberries. Which is a, a, valuable, is a valuable, very job. important job. It's important <laughs> work, but it's not important work that I want with my actually incredibly adorable mushroom stroganoff pie with a little tiny pastry heart on it that I picked Aww. up and gave to Sybil. Ah. First of all, what are we drinking this week, Kat? We're drinking that little known Bijou, extremely boutique, carbonated drink, Coca-Cola Zero. <laughs> all right, let's crack it open. Now, look, we don't normally match the drink to the subject of the interview because it feels a bit matchy-matchy. And frankly, if we're going to do that, then we need to get our butts in gear and actually sort out sponsorship and adverts and all that sort of stuff. But... Coke Zero is the hero drink of our beloved Chris Hewitt, scion of your own Empire podcast. 
and one of the few things that I think I've ever seen him drink. Yeah, well, me too, and I've known him for 20 years now. This is his absolute go-to, unfailingly so. And we just thought we'd talk about that, given that also we talked last week, obviously, about uh, Melania and the Fat Ducks' attempts to make their own Coke. It occupies such an interesting place in the firmament, and the fact is that people like Chris, as you will hear in a few minutes, will go to a gourmet restaurant and order a Coke. It gives it an interesting thing. It's a drink drunk by powerful people. People, you know, fueled yeah. Hillary Clinton. It fueled a lot of a lot of film people, um, a lot of uh, film stars, a lot of musicians. You know, it's got that hit of caffeine to keep you going, but it's cold and refreshing, unlike coffee. And it's a bit less faffed drink than coffee, I guess, in the sense that yeah. you don't need a barista on the go. You you just need a fridge. So yeah, we thought we shouldn't actually actively avoid things that people can get easily. And let's yeah. talk about Coke a little bit. This is the first time that I've drunk Coke Zero in probably about 15, 20 years. I think when it came out, I was a devoted Diet Coke girly. And that was largely because of working in magazines and everybody else drank Diet Coke. And I was a total drinks sheep, so just went for it. And also, I don't remember enjoying the taste very much. But I don't know whether my taste buds have miraculously regrown over the last five years. But this is really nice. It's not bad, is it? And it does mm. taste more like Coke. Yeah. Than Diet Coke does. I will say that. Now, I gave up full fat Coke years and years ago, but Coke Zero tastes more like it without being quite as cloying, which yes. is, which I think is useful and important. But you yeah, it's very hard to pin down the taste. Yeah, very much so. Just briefly there, you mentioned full fat Coke. And I think actually that the discovery of that phrase, which came in when I was in sixth form and maybe like 98, 99. I think that actually is, is the turning point for when I was like, oh, full fat Coke. Well, I can't drink it anymore then. And sort of switched to Diet Coke. <sighs> yes, the adverts for Diet Coke were really funny, all jokey and everything, and looked quite aspirational in that way that when you are a nerdy child growing up in the middle of absolutely nowhere in England, you see supposedly glamorous American corporate women and think, oh, maybe I want to be one of them. Spoiler, absolutely no interest in being corporate <laughs> anything. Thank you very much. Whereas Coke Zero just sort of feels like more of a neutral name, which is ironic seeing as it seemed to be launched specifically to appeal to men. And, and yet, actually, it is giving me flashbacks to that cosy, fun taste, like mm. normal Coca-Cola tastes of fun because it tastes of childhood. And arguably for me, one of the last times that I've been able to eat or drink anything without thinking about its nutritional value and just like, oh, I'm going to have a slurp of this and then I'm going to go and jump on that climbing frame and go on that merry-go-round until I am physically sick. Even as I say it, it's not a healthy phrase probably to use. I will say in my defense, my family has been known to talk about things like stainless steel milk. Um, oh, love just, that. Please just expand. take any any of these phrases <laughs> and just put it in, in front of the drink and you kind of know what you're talking about. So, oh, can you get me the stainless steel milk, please? Semi-skimmed, um, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Adopting that. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, so so I, I took full fat coke in the same same spirit. But also, like, you know, I'm not a health Nazi. I eat way too much chocolate for that i do feel full fat coke full sugar coke and full sugar other drinks are available do really feel like you are throwing every caution to the wind and just ingesting a half a bowl's worth of sugar and and that is something that i still kind of struggle to be cool with you know yeah. I, I think i think all of us should you know try to yes listen to our bodies eat things in balance eat eat everything in moderation don't get ortho what's the orthorexic, orthorexic and be obsessed yeah. with only eating the right the clean the, the best the optimized product Ugh. i think that's very unhealthy yeah but at the same time when presented with a can of well which doesn't really happen anymore but when presented with a can of full sugar coke i do sort of see alarm bells ringing it is very particular that way in the way that things have shifted yeah completely it's like whenever you see people who've made big changes in their life around not necessarily diet alone, but if ever there's anything that they're feeling slightly more positive about themselves and their energy levels and everything, then ditching the sort of really sugary sodas and arguably the diet equivalents as well is fairly high up there. I had to wean myself off caffeine-free Diet Coke a couple of years ago because I was just, I was necking it like shots. It was, it was not great. And so I did that by finding one of the like fruity sparkling waters. Mm. Years ago, I remember going to see a celebrity hypnotherapist for a feature. Ironically, she was supposed to be hypnotizing me away from my love of sweet food. Did not quite take, but never mind. 
But one of the things that she did along the way was she poured like a glass of regular Coke and put like a really filthy penny into ah, it. Ah, yes. Oh, good grief. And then it, it came out like two minutes later and it was glistening, shining like the sun. It was a full She-Ra, all the powers transformation moment. And I mean, obviously when we're drinking Coke, we're not drinking like the unadulterated syrup, but the fact that there are still things in it that really can just strip that sort of stuff away is, yeah, it's it's fairly intense to see. It's fairly intense, yeah, but it it is it is a tasty drink at the same time, you know. And and uh, yes, I did see a similar video actually recently. I, I I fell down an Instagram rabbit hole, and there was somebody who was restoring an old stove, a, a small one. I don't know if it was for travel or for children, but it was a really small stove probably the size of a microwave um and he he had taken all this apart and it was absolutely rust red fully fully covered in grossness he he literally took it to pieces put it in a large plastic bin and then poured two gallon bottles of cola on top of it and and then it came out and and the rust just slid off not Again, not a great advertisement to put it in your body, but of course that is like ten liters or more of this stuff, and um, and we don't do that generally speaking. So. And it is incredibly satisfying to see that sort tasty. of stuff done. And yeah, that's the thing. I fully appreciate and own that I am coming to any discussion about drinks with my own crackers baggage from my own past, present, and future with food and drink. But this Coke Zero is giving me a really lovely nostalgic lift, and I, for one, am very grateful to have it in my day, Helen. Hurrah. I'll tell you something else that I did this week is I went to see a play at the Hampstead Theatre last night and I decided to get a drink there while I was waiting. And they had charity, as in charity, charity, and then T-E-A. So I was there to see a play called Double Feature, which was very good, by the way. Um, And the charity, I got the green charity, which was based in green tea and it had some ginger in it. It was pretty low in sugar. um, And I thought this seems ideal. It looks very very you know it's in a nice glass bottle it just looks mm. like it's going to be ma- not healthy and but but you know have some taste but also not ruin my teeth or not ruin my dinner yeah and it was it was very very nice and i didn't sleep a wink last night so oh i was God. interested by your mention of uh, of caffeine free diet coke which i also have flirted with over the years and my problem really is that it's not consistently enough available when you go to places, you know, you can get it yeah. in the shop, so you can't necessarily get it in restaurants, things like that. But the caffeine, honestly, the caffeine is a factor. Like you can't necessarily be necking, or I can't be necking hundreds of, of litres of this stuff of a, on a daily basis and expect to sleep at night. No, completely. Like some people are pretty like tolerant to caffeine. Before I started like ADHD treatment, and by that I mean the meds particularly, I could quite happily guzzle a lot of cups of coffee a day and just not really notice the effect of it. Mm. People do actually, who can't use meds, like Ned Halliwell, who's quite a big figure in ADHD writing and research, he can't use meds, so he has coffee instead, and that works very well for him. Now, for example, if I have a drink that has loads of sugar in it, I will really notice that in a way that I don't necessarily notice it if I'm eating it or as part of a meal. And certainly some soft drinks that do have a significant amount of caffeine in can really, really creep up and do a number on you without realising it. I've also been told by my psychiatrist a number of times, and I'm finally just about listening to him now for the last six months, that I shouldn't have that much caffeine at all because it could interfere with how my medication works. But for me, it took quite a long time to sort of unpick the hold and the association that coffee Mm. has now. I have sort of gone back into decaf and I don't mind that as much. Whereas before I felt very resentful about paying for something that was giving me nothing or as I saw it. Whereas now I can just appreciate in most cases that reasonably good decaf. It's always a tricky balance because I I also love a coffee or two in the mornings. But, you know, past about three o'clock, that's not going to work for me <laughs> so <laughs> hey how and coffee prices are going crazy nowadays my my one of my local places has put it up by 50p a drink 50p oh, God. Oh. i'm trying to remember what a reasonable price for a cup of coffee was i mean Pretz used to do their filter coffee, which incidentally was completely revolting and tasted like bad petrol. But that used to be 99p a cup. Whenever I go into Pret now, I sort of go and go, wow, that much? And immediately mm. turn a circle and 
and leave again. They're about to go north of four pounds for for a coffee in That's mad in the centre of town. There's a lot of places now hovering at three ninety, yeah, um, which is which is pretty crazy. So, was there any uh, drink related news this week? Um, I did see one story, which is that LA Brewery is crowdfunding. They're trying to get uh, mm. a million pounds. Um, to to spend basically on marketing and and distribution and just getting their drinks out there more because they think there is a massive demand for it that they just need to reach physically reach so um, they're crowdfunding for half a million ideally and ideally a million pounds to do that it's pretty crazy and it's intense crowdfunding as well like my next book which is coming out in March was crowdfunded because it's a very niche subject it's about infertility essays about loss, the idea of being like a support group in a book. And unsurprisingly, traditional publishers are not necessarily thinking that's a very cheerful or winning topic. But I had to crowdfund 20 grand to get that made. And I'm hugely appreciative of the 700, 800 strong crowd that came along with me and supported me in that way. And LA Brewery is a fantastic brand. The kombucha that it does is really, really delicious. It's a female founded brand as well, based in Suffolk. So if they can harness the goodwill of their audience in that way and give them that sense of contribution and ownership, then fingers crossed that should be a winner. But oh God, I wouldn't want to be the one trying to make that amount of money. It makes me want to go and have a lie down. Yeah, it's 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 nightmare. I mean, all all I've had to do along those lines is sort of raise funding for a marathon or something, and and that was stressful enough. Yeah, I mean, imagine how many bake sales they're going to have to do. Just, <laughs> that's thinking about. That's how it works, right? So oh. many flapjacks, Helen. So many <laughs> flapjacks. Something that actually I would quite like us to go and do potentially. Ooh. I was trying to think of the last time that you and I went. I'm not. I'm not going to say clubbing. Realistically, that we went dancing together. Hmm. And I think maybe it was about 2017 when we went to Hot Dub Time Machine in, in Brixton, which was ace. Oh, maybe. But we had to go out at night to do that. Oh, nightmare. But, but there is now. I'm really just noticing more of a rise in daytime clubs. So Ministry of Sound has done a couple already. They've got Fabio and Groove Rider coming on the 2nd of March and they're doing like a club from two till nine before actually launching their big boys late night club at about 11. And then Club de Fromage, who I have very fond memories of um, from Islington. They used they often sort of partner up with feeling gloomy so you can go from banana rama to the smiths and back again but they're doing a club for over 30s on the 23rd of march from three till seven there was this lovely night called before midnight that went from seven till sort of 11 30 midnight in islington mm. again so that everybody that wanted to dance but not stay up massively late could go and it's kind of amazing to see it just sort of inching back Mostly so that then you can go home and watch Gladiators. Love it. I mean, who doesn't who doesn't want to do that? But yeah, that it is kind of a great idea just because, I mean, once you're in the club, who cares what time it is outside? Like, do, no. does it really matter? There are no windows. Like, how are you going to know? It doesn't matter. So, yeah, that's... I just want to go and throw some really bad shapes, Helen, if I'm honest. <laughs> and these are, the are, these, are these sober, are these sober clubs or are they just... It's interesting that they're daytime because people can have a slightly different experience it is i mean it's interesting that you know with club de fromage the daytime one they're specifically appealing to over 30s and i as i was noticing that i was like, i'm fairly sure there's some of our listeners who are under 30 who would actually quite like to go and in that case guys it's fake id time again you thought you'd <laughs> left it you thought you'd left it but you hadn't something that was genuinely alcohol free intended but seems to have gone slightly tits up from the start is um helen i know that you're super fond of rugby Oh, hugely fond I know. of rugby, yes. Rugby, that's how we say it, rugby. <laughs> Sports with balls, as it were. Mm. I did actually go to Twickenham in like 2012 or something for a match. And the thing that I remember most about it is that it was, I was going on like a work trip and there was a fantastic cheese board with lunch. That's Oof. literally what I remember from it. I can't remember who was playing. But what I do really like is they're, they're doing a trial through the Six Nations games that they're hosting at the moment. Um, and they're trialing um, an area of seating that is completely alcohol free. So you, oh. you just can't drink booze whilst you're sitting in it. Um, and the idea behind this is that they were having complaints from people who said that their view of the match was being spoilt by people constantly getting up to go to the loo, to go to the bar and then back again. And it was just like if you go to any kind of big event, there is just that flow of people at times who are going to do things that get in the way. And that's a bit tiresome. Um, however, it doesn't necessarily seem to have been initially implemented very well because there have been like some fans 
that have complained about the fact that they rocked up to their seats armed with their pints and didn't oh, realize no. that they were in booze free seating. Um, Twickenham said that ticket buyers would have been clearly aware of the trial when booking their tickets and that they would have to tick a lovely big box saying that they agree to the terms. But some people told the Telegraph, surprisingly, unsurprisingly, that they didn't see that. And to be honest, when you're booking anything, if it's something you're really keen on, you're just like, yes, agree yes, to take, terms and take, conditions. Take, yes. to sell my immortal soul. This is fine. Blah, blah, blah. £350. That's reasonable. Excellent. Go. Yeah, for some people, booze is quite a big part of live sports. Yes. Um, but increasingly you know, it's quite nice to see that there are options for people who are just a bit bored of having their view obscured or just, you know, having the obligatory loud lads, lads, lads yelling away and, and potentially and, spoiling the game. And there might be people bringing kids who who would rather sit in a blue booze free section um, for whatever reason. You know, there's 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 definitely, I would say, a market for it. But Yes, probably make it really, really clear to rugby fans. No disrespect. I have rugby fans <laughs> within my own family. But Agreed. there is there is definitely an association there, isn't there? Yeah. I've actually bought tickets to a rugby game this summer. Um, my brother turns 40 uh, in the summer and my dad was 70 in the autumn. And so I've got us tickets to what are pretty much the only rugby game that I could manage to find tickets for at the time. But, um, a women's rugby sevens match in Paris for the Olympics. Oh, amazing. Um, so we're just going to go and soak up the atmosphere and hopefully quite a lot of food. So that'll be really nice. So, yeah, I'd better I was going to say I'd better rehearse the rules of rugby. My God, I'm just not made for this sort of thing. <laughs> look, I will look it up on Wikipedia and get in again there. What could be what could go wrong? I think it'll be great. Um, shall we go to our guest? Oh, yes, please. OK, so today's guest is basically my colleague on the Empire podcast, uh, our podcast host, Chris Hewitt. So Chris is obviously a journalist at Empire um, and one of the world's most loyal devotees of Coke Zero. <laughs> Basically, after all the chat we had last week with Melania at the Fat Duck about what goes into making their own Coke substitute, we thought we'd ask Chris along to talk about why he accepts no substitute for his Coca-Cola favourite and why it is that people are so freaking obsessed with it anyway. So here are the two of us talking to Chris Hewitt. So hello and welcome to Pop Culture, Chris Hewitt. Hey, hey, oh, it's hey. been so long since I saw you. It must be, gosh, hours and hours. It's hours and hours and hours. Luckily, I've been pounding back the Coke Zero. I drink to forget. It hasn't worked. <laughs> <laughs> what, what can you do? There you are. Chris, when was the last time that you were interviewed as celebrity podcast host and general king of the internet Chris Hewitt. I think the last time I was interviewed Kat was oh my god it was Bar Humbug I think I think <laughs> so I basically think. the only person who ever interviews you is Helen the only person Absolutely. who shows any interest yeah <laughs> well that's nice it's nice to highlight your special stories it's nice that Helen shows a repeated interest I just I have his number. I'm one of a very select few people, you see, and that's what it is. The thing is, I'm I'm extraordinarily and and widely available. <laughs> that is true, actually. Yeah. Yeah. People I will appear on any podcast. It doesn't matter what it's about. Well, actually, it does. There are certain podcasts I wouldn't appear on. <laughs> you know, Nazis and things. No Nazis. I, I, I've done a a background check on you both, and neither of you seem to have any Nazi affiliations. So we're we're good. We're all good. Deeply buried. It's fine. And repeated just erasure of all of our internet search histories. Clearly, <laughs> <laughs> your internet search histories right now must be the weirdest things. Mine currently is just going back through the entire history of flavors of Coca Cola and variants thereon. Well, I, I'm fascinated by this cat because I I want to know. I want to know more. About about the thing I've been putting into my body for the last <clears throat> many years. Because here's my thing about Coke, and I, I realize you guys want to ask me questions, but I'm just going to go for it. Um, here's my thing about Coca-Cola and Coke Zero. I could not, if you put a gun to my head, tell you what it tastes like. It doesn't taste like anything else I've ever tasted. I've tasted knockoff Cokes. I've tasted Ersatz Cokes. I'm not even going to mention Pepsi-Cola. I can do that blind taste test thing where, you know, I can absolutely identify knockoff supermarket Coca-Cola. I did this once in a hotel in Denver, Colorado, when I was visiting the set of the Avengers. And I mentioned this in the hotel restaurant to the waiter 
and he did not believe me. And he brought over a whole bunch of Cokes and Pepsis and Diet Pepsis and all sorts of stuff and made me test them. And I passed with flying colas. But <laughs> I will say this, I honestly could not tell you what it tastes like. So what is it? What's in it? Cat, what's in it? So it's the thing that we don't mention, which is largely just artificial flavorings and flummery, technical term. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just a different, the, the flummery level is just sort of adjusted for each of these different flavors. Because again, it's like blue raspberry is not a flavor. And yet I can identify that in 900 different types of soft drink and ice pop. Cherry, in as it is in, in most colas and particularly in and like Diet Coke, bears almost no resemblance to the actual fruit. And yet we know it completely. The thing with Coke Zero particularly is that as soon as I tried it for the first time, having come out of a fairly hefty Pepsi Max stage and therefore being like, oh, this is the male equivalent of Pepsi Max and therefore I'll probably be quite on board with this. But Pepsi Max it. was also the male equivalent of Diet Pepsi. You can tell because yes. it has Max in it. I find it completely insane that these borderline identical drinks, how, how on earth do they all taste so different? And also, how is there such a specific identity to each one? Whenever you guys told me you were doing this, I was like, oh, I'm not going to appear in that show because you're, you're, all, you're all about cordials and, and flavored things. And you're going to Fat Duck and tasting specially concocted drinks. And I'm like, I, I know what I like and I'm addicted to it. I'm very, very open about that. And it's Coke and Coke Zero, not Diet Coke. No. Yep, which is the devil's piss, but Coke and know. Coke Zero. I, yeah. Okay. I have many questions coming out of the back of this, but also, I mean, you are a bit of a gourmand. You do go to fancy restaurants. When you go to the fancy restaurants, are you the guy who has Coke? <laughs> yes. Okay. So you are the guy that the Fat Duck literally designed their own brand Coke for. See, I would, I would, if I went to the Fat Duck, if I were ever lucky enough to go to the Fat Duck, it's on the bucket list or the ducket list. Uh, I would absolutely have their flight of soft drinks, but I okay. would keep the Coke in reserve because right, okay. I've, I've done that in the past. You know, I've, I've had Karma Cola. I wasn't a big fan of it. I, I recognize that I have bad karma as a result. But I went to Restaurant Story in London, which is a two Mission mm. Star place. It was an amazing, amazing experience. And they didn't have Coca-Cola. And they brought me Carmicola and it just wasn't the same. But I'm, I'm open, I'm willing, but I'm definitely that guy who goes, looks at the soft drink menu and goes, okay, do you have, do you have Coke Zero? And I will pay six pounds for a little 200 milliliter bottle. I'll do that. I can confirm he, he literally does do this. He, he, he does not like it when Coke Zero is not available on a menu. Curious. I completely get the Karma Cola thing because a lot of what we've been doing, chatting to makers and also drinkers of non-alcoholic alternatives and equivalents and that sort of thing. Lots of people have come back and said it's really just frustrating when you want the thing and then you have the thing that's trying to be the thing, but like the middle of the flavor is missing or it just doesn't hit the spot in the way it should. What about Coke Zero for you is, I mean, it sounds like it is like re reassuring and comforting and sort it of is. predictable. Yeah, I think I think it is. And I have so many little weird Coke slash Coke Zero foibles. Not only could I not tell you what it tastes like, I honestly, I've thought about this now and again. I'm not entirely sure I like it. And yet <laughs> I drink it. And one of the things about, uh, Helen can attest this as well. One of the things about Coke Zero and the way I, I approach Coke Zero, I approach it from the north under cover of darkness. I cannot drink Coke or Coke Zero on its own. Just can't. I always have to have something to snack with it. I've tried drinking it on its own and then after, but halfway through, I'm like, I'm not sure I like this, to be honest. But there's something mm. about the way, I don't know, this is so strange. The fizziness of Coke is so particular. Mm. And that's a big thing. The fizziness, that hit of the fizz at the back of the throat whenever you're quenching your thirst for the first time. That is a big, big thing for me. And I have never found a fizzy drink that comes close. So I don't know. The, it's, about... it's the exact level of bubbles. The level of bubbles, the spacing of the bubbles. You know, I, I self-carbonated for, for a while when I was growing up. <laughs> but, you know, I had a soda stream. Didn't come close. Not even close. It's not just a taste thing and the cloying sugariness of some of the other Coke substitutes. I don't know. It is the space of the bubbles. We need Professor Brian Cox in here to talk about the physics of this. We did actually have a beverage technician whose job is to create versions of existing drinks, sometimes with lower sugar levels as the sugar tax requires, to literally create every single element to make this perfect. So like from the ring pull, that pause between oh. getting the ring pull and then getting that bubble spacing, all of that stuff. We sort of look at these drinks and go, oh yeah, there it is. Fine. Chuck it in the basket. 
But every single element of these, particularly for the massive brands, have really, really been thought over. That's wild. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And so I know Coke when... is controversial. <laughs> I've, I've read the Mark Thomas book. <laughs> I've searched my soul at times, and uh, I'm sure people would judge me. But yeah, I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a um, Coke freak, which in the in in the London media usually means something else. I mean, you, when, you, when I when I first arrived in London in 2001, and uh, it became apparent I had a Coke problem. It was, it was not the usual Coke <laughs> it was a different kind of Coke from the one that most people have. I'm a collector of Coke memorabilia, not like a wild collector, but you know, Helen was, we went to Florida. Yeah, uh, we did. Me and Helen and James from the Empire podcast. We went to the Galactic Star Cruiser, RIP. And we had an afternoon off and we went to this Coca-Cola store in Florida. And I was, I was just in hog heaven. It was amazing. And I've been to the world of Coca-Cola in Atlanta, which is the home of Coke. And that was incredible. It was like a, it was like a little pilgrimage. Talk us through your timeline. When did it become Coke Zero? Because you drank Coke like full sugar is that right full fat coke yeah for a long time was it long always time. full? because you you you're like me right you'd never drank very much i think and so yeah. it's always been about finding something else that's fun for a night out i guess <laughs> yes <laughs> well i don't even i don't drink to excess soft drinks i i drink when i go out with friends and they're all drinking and they're knocking back three four five pints i will quite often nurse one maybe two soft drinks at most and i have a very very short threshold in which i can even drink the drink if it becomes too warm i won't drink it if it becomes too flat i won't drink it so the first 10 15 minutes of a drink is the optimum window for me but the timeline i mean i don't drink i've never drunk um teetotal all my life uh there's a number of reasons for that one of the main reasons is i don't like the taste of alcohol i never have i've tried alcohol i've tried wines i've tried beers i've tried whiskey i've tried wicked i've tried stuff like that i found them all to be wanting so i've always been a soft drink guy but from a very early age i'm talking like five six because my mom and dad had absolutely no control <laughs> um i was drinking coca-cola and i just loved it and i have a very very strong memory as a kid of going to my godmother's in Banbridge, Northern Ireland. And she gave me a glass of Coke. And this is such a strong memory for me. It got to about that much at the bottom of the glass. So there was not that much left. And there was just something about the way I tasted it at the end and the way that the, the, the combination of the fizz and the taste, although I couldn't describe it, if you put a gun to my head once again, just lured me in i don't know are you sure they don't put cocaine in this stuff anymore cat because it sure feels like it Very and i was hooked from that moment on as far as i know there are not yet any 12-step groups for soft drinks or indeed <laughs> cola i I'm mainly injected these days have i mentioned that <laughs> <laughs> this is an interesting part of it then so when did you switch from coke to coke zero when it came out so what 2005 i think it was roughly. yeah wow. and I, I don't remember doing it i don't remember there being a conscious moment when i did it but i remember looking back at do you remember we did the bondathon for empire yes i do yes so, so you watched all of the bond films back to back over a weekend day yeah. and night this was ahead of the release of casino royale in 2006 and myself and nick Desemlian and uh, sam toy we decided to watch all 20 bond films in a row for the magazine and we had a photo shoot and we were in the uh, empire offices doing this for nearly two days nearly 48 hours straight and i look back at the photographs of that and there's loads of cans of coke zero like six packs of coke zero just spread around because i was trying to get a caffeine hit as well trying to stay awake but also i must have switched to coke zero by that point i have no recollection of it again if you put a gun to my head and said, when did Coke Zero come out, Chris? I would say 2012, 2013, but no, 2005. 2005, according to Wikipedia. So this so, is the yeah. thing that's keeping me alive, I think, Helen, because as you know, don't drink, don't smoke, don't do drugs, but don't exercise and don't eat well. I think those two things counteract each other. But also if I had been drinking nothing but Coke, regular Coke, full fat Coke for the last 19 years now, I would have been dead or I would have no teeth left. And so Coke Zero, I think, is the thing that's been keeping me alive. So what? why Coke Zero and not Diet Coke? Is it marketing? Because they're, they're both aspartame. Piss. It's a devil's piss. I mean, I, the I taste don't... is very different. It's vastly different. Okay, yeah? we've okay. established that you can't describe what any of these drinks taste like, which I will completely let pass because I've been trying to do so in my head and all I can think of is like cola, and that's just not helpful in any way. So what about instead, how does it make you feel when you drink it? And how, could, how do you compare that to, e.g., full-fat Coke, Diet Coke? 
what makes Diet Coke the devil's piss, but Coke Zero something that literally fuels you Diet through Coke. a black tie weekend of, of like all the Bond films? <laughs> well, it wasn't like I initially. Coke Zero was a bit of an acquired taste. It took me a, a little while, mm. and I just thought I, I'm 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 doing the right thing here. There's zero sugar. Initially, I was like, this has got zero taste. Like the, the sweetness of Coke was a big thing for me, but now it isn't. Whereas Diet Coke, when I have tried Diet Coke over the years, I don't know, it seems to be like a, an acrid <laughs> quality to Diet Coke, which I just, I've, I've never liked. I also don't like the design of the can. I don't like the colors. Mm. I don't like the colors. Hang on, is this a Liverpool thing? You're a Liverpool No, supporter. it's not. It's not. Diet Coke. No, Liverpool play in silver and gray. The, the away kits have quite often been silver, silver and red. <laughs> Quite often, so I'm I'm totally okay with that. Okay. That's totally fine. There is certainly a belief in marketing terms that Diet Coke was a woman's drink, and is there some lingering sense that it's simply just not for you? It doesn't feel like it was made for you. Mm, let me just lie back on the couch here and. and... <laughs> And or is it simply the thought that perhaps drinking it is going to make you desperate to clean some windows but without a t-shirt on? <laughs> Kat, you know me, that would be a terrible prospect for everybody. Honestly, it might be the word diet. I mm. think I might have a problem with that. Zero maybe sums up how I feel about myself, so I'm okay oh. with that. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Dr. Freud. Oh no, it's gone deep. <laughs> but diet, diet, I don't know. I've always had a bit of a, a thing about health and being healthy and staying alive i genuinely think that although i haven't done it for a while that the taste of diet coke was really off-putting and quite horrid and quite bitter and was so far removed from coca-cola and how that tasted that i just wasn't interested i gave coke zero a whirl and then coke zero eventually i think after about two or three weeks of really just going for it clicked with me probably in a way that diet coke would have done had i stayed the course but because coke zero is even healthier than diet coke i don't need to go back and try diet coke again if i go to diet coke i'm backsliding Okay, so you understand? healthier in the sense of what? Is this because it Diet has, Coke has more caffeine than Coke Zero? Diet Coke has 1% of something, and Coke Zero has 0% of something. And that's science. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked this up in a book, and 1% oh, of well something then. is more than 0% of something. He You're blowing my mind here. Well, oh my god. I, I mean, just... Do I get a I'm treat? So much. You do get a treat. Here you go. I've literally got my little pot of bribing <laughs> Sybil, doggy kibble here. Oh. It's all for you, Chris. It's all I for you. I still haven't met Sybil, Cat. Don't, don't think I haven't noticed. I would be delighted to bring her into the office wearing a giant Coca-Cola coloured bow, <laughs> as I recently did for Valentine's Day. The folky myth about changing habits, in theory, it's supposed to take 21 days. In reality, it's more like 66. Was it literally just that the sugar aspect, wanting to try something different that kept you fixed on wanting to make Coke Zero part of your routine? I think it was. I, I must have liked it more than I perhaps have remembered. Otherwise, I would have just cast it aside immediately. We, we, we all remember new Coke, don't we? We all <laughs> the, the horrible shudders of new coke i also think at the time i had just come to empire and well, i've been there about four years or so and i was very aware that i i do eat terribly and i have a sweet tooth people who listen to this they may be thinking well surely you're diabetic chris and I somehow have managed to dance through the raindrops of that one one day i'm sure there's a, a bullet with my name on it but I've, I was very conscious of how much sugar I was ingesting around when I came to London 2004, 2005, stuff like that. And there were certain people in the office who were perhaps poking fun at my diet or lack thereof. Helen, not wasn't you. It wasn't you. No, I'm, it thinking, wasn't, I'm thinking no. of other people. I, I, I am in no position to throw stones on that one. <laughs> um, we went to Bodine's together, Chris. We did. We went to Bodine's together. We did. We, 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 we lay down on that landmine together. And, and it was a tasty one, too. So I think I was a little bit stung by that. And I was looking for something maybe a bit healthier. And then lo and behold, Coke Zero came along. Has coffee ever crossed your, I mean, obviously it's crossed your path. We're journalists. It's basically just waved in front of us along with films and wine. But did that ever no. become a thing for you? I don't like coffee. I don't like tea and I don't like coffee. I'm, I'm, I'm deeply, deeply weird when it comes to stuff like that. And, you know, I'm Northern Irish. I'm a journalist. You think that this, this stuff would be ingrained, that my alcohol will be mainly blood or vice versa. It just never really came to pass. And coffee, I don't like, although I love a tiramisu. Figure that one out. It's the cream, yeah. It's the sugar in the cream. I love the sugar in the cream. My mum loved tea. She was one of those 
Northern Irish cliches where she had 15 cups of tea before she got out of bed in the morning. I just never really got on board with that. Coke was my drink of choice from a very, very early age. Uh, I dabbled with some, some other things. I've had a lilt. I've, oh, I've, I've known, a lilt. I've been known to lilt from time to time before they, it's no longer available, right? And Club Orange, when I go home to Northern Ireland, I'll have a Club Orange mm. because that is great and isn't really widely available over here. But, you know, from a very, very early age, I can remember the fridge being stocked with Coke. And I remember also at school, secondary school, Bambridge Academy, kind of falling in with, <laughs> like, some of the, my longest lasting friendships were forged in the crucible of Coca-Cola. The kids who didn't drink kind of found each other. We were all addicted to Coca-Cola. I have to keep making that very clear. <laughs> we were all addicted to Coca-Cola. And so we all go around to each other's houses and... <laughs> around with big bottles of coca-cola and huge <laughs> bags filled with chocolate and crisps and we would just watch films and play video games this is like when we were 16 17 years old and kids our age at that point were already going out and getting drunk i remember two of my oldest friends ross and phil discovering guys who were drinking even more coca-cola than me and i was like what this is not possible but they would come around to my my house of a of an evening and they would bring two two liter bottles of coca-cola each and they would just drain them and i was astounded by this and they wouldn't put them in the fridge either. I'm, a, I'm very much a purist. Coca-Cola has to be ice cold and all that sort of stuff. I won't drink it when it's warm. And I remember one time we were walking in Banbridge. We'd just gone down to the filling station. This is such a rock and roll story. We'd gone down to the filling station to load up for the night on Coca-Cola and chocolate bars. Oh, do you remember Drifters? And crisps. Do you remember roast beef and mustard brannigans? Uh, <gasps> oh, my God. Um, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. And we were walking up the hill to my friend Ross's house. And we passed our old English teacher, Mr. Taylor. It was his Friday night because rock and roll. And he went, all right, lads, clearly you're having a good night. And because we had big blue bags that for most kids our age would be filled with like alcohol and all sorts of stuff. And we were like, yes, sir, we're having a big night, a real big night. And then we, we got back and we both had a Mars bar. You know, it's, it's that kind of, <laughs> I was never cool. I was never rock and roll, but. Yeah. It is a tribal allegiance to Coke. And I mean, you know, you, t you talk about new Coke. So new Coke was this attempt to futz with the formula in 1985. In focus groups and in test groups, apparently New Coke scored off the charts. Yeah. Like it beat Coke in every single test they could come up with in these marketing groups. It was like New Coke all the way. And then they tried to launch it and replace people's Coke with this other drink. Mm -mm. And, and essentially, as I understand it, the entire population of the world rioted and um and burned uh burned the houses of the executives concerned to the ground and and lynched them all or something i'm not clear on the details but i think it's something yeah. along those lines yeah Murders. but it is a tr it's a tribal identity yeah thing isn't it it is it absolutely is the coke versus pepsi thing is real it absolutely is real in the same way that liverpool versus man united is real the same way that beatles versus rolling stones is real the same way that apple versus not apple is real you know it's it's weird i don't know what it was like for you guys but i don't know if this is like something i do or something silly guys do but you know you do become very tribal about stuff it becomes ingrained in you from a very early age but particularly when you don't drink alcohol which helen and i have discussed ad nauseum almost about how this yeah. is very incorrectly but in in britain kind of inevitably it, that's seen as a signifier of being an adult and so yeah. you go from the fabulous coca-cola stage when as a kid you can just fill yourself with sugar and then go around and I mean, I never managed to cartwheel in my life, but theoretically cartwheel through your childhood, feeling fabulous and having a great time. But then if you're not moving to, I don't know, whiskeys are us or gin with the flavor of broken glass and that sort of stuff, it's mm. like, what do you do next? And when I gave up booze in 2019, I immediately switched allegiance to black coffee, which I was already very keen on. But I mean, I drank it when I went to dinner parties. I drank it all the way through the day. It was like the Candorel advert, but like with significantly more caffeine. And it was only when I, a few years later, managed to relinquish my grip on that and start drinking other things. Yeah. And not for me, chase what I was missing from the alcohol. I was trying to get rid of pain and, and all sorts of stuff and social anxiety. But also, like, who was I? What did I drink if I wasn't drinking yeah. this incredibly nerdy type of wine or something? It became like a little, I mean, a fairly significant identity crisis for me. Whereas now, thank God, we've just been to the fat duck and I can confidently say, along with Helen, I am a person that really likes drinks that have no whiskey in them and yet are sort of whiskey adjacent oh so good that identity piece is i think a huge part of why we love anything mm. it is and i think i guess i guess probably my 
Coca-Cola addiction was a big part of my identity, especially when I did go to university and I struggled to fit in socially. So the third year of my university was just a, it's just a complete not a write-off. I rarely left my house and didn't really socialize. And when people were saying goodbye to each other at the end of the year, I didn't go to any of those parties or any of those farewells. I just really felt like I wasn't fitting in at all. Again, Paige and Dr. Freud, I don't know what was going on there. I know when I came to to London as well, when you move into the media, I would joke about it, but I was terrified. I was genuinely terrified because not drinking is a big thing for me. And it's a very serious choice that I've made. And I made it from a very, very early age. I, I knew when I was about 11 or 12, I was never going to drink alcohol. It's not a religious thing. I'm not religious at all. It's just something I knew I wasn't going to do. And I've tried it over the years. I have tried it because there's so much pressure. Oh, try this, try this. You don't know what it's like until you've tried it. I say, okay, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. And it's like, this is horrible. How the hell can you drink this shit? <laughs> a friend of mine who almost trained himself to become a beer drinker and now is a bit of a, a, a beer connoisseur. He, he said, it takes a year. It takes a year. And so I do not have that kind of time to commit mm. to drinking something I don't like. I, I'm not going to do it. It was okay, but I was a journalist, first of all, because I was living at home. I was living in Northern Ireland. I was insulated. But then suddenly you find yourself in London and you don't know anyone and you're trying to fit into an industry and at the time a magazine that has a very hard drinking culture. And I felt so apologetic about not drinking and I felt so judged for not drinking. And I think one of the best things that could have happened happened at the time was the editor of Empire at the time, Emma Cochran, didn't drink also. And although she wasn't around them because I was actually covering her maternity leave, not as editor, they wouldn't be that mad. But she was there for a few weeks at least before she left, you know, to have a, have a baby, have a baby, have a baby. And that kind of made me feel a little bit more at ease. But I could I could feel it sometimes when I went to the the pub after after work with some of the people who were there, all lovely, lovely people, and they were very, very welcoming and accepting. But I always felt a slight undercurrent of mm. he's not drinking, therefore he's not one of us. It's interesting that Empire now is so different. It's so mm. it is so changed. The drinking culture has has gone. And actually, there's quite a few teetotalers slash non-drinkers slash not very heavy drinkers at the magazine now, which is great. Helen, maybe you and I played some <laughs> small part in that. I'm not, may, not condemning it in any way, shape or form. It is what it is. No, no, not at all. No. Uh, you know, but I, I, felt, I felt for a long time like I just, I was, I was really nervous about not drinking and will I be judged and castigated and thrown out, basically. And I think actually, I mean, it's lucky that you liked Coke because in those days, and, and even now, you know, if you go to, you know, we, we go to a lot of film screenings, we go to, to junkets to do interviews with filmmakers, we go to all these film related events. And very often, the only non alcoholic choice, or one of two, along with sparkling water, is Coke, Coke Zero, right? I mean, sometimes I know you've had tr your troubles, your travails when it's been Diet Coke. But generally, this is a drink you can actually get. It feels yeah. like it's enough part of film culture that it's there. And you, you, you've seen me walk away. You've seen me actually not drink anything mm -hmm. if, if, there's, if there's no Coke. <laughs> I'm just like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I have to say, Chris, I think it was you who was telling me the other day that there was a certain Hollywood producer yeah. who is who is a, a Coke addict. Now, we won't, we won't name names. Coca-Cola, we should again make that. Coca-Cola, we can you. name that name. But what what was that story you were telling me? Well, I I think we can name names because I think this is pretty fairly is it pretty, knowledge. Pretty well known? Okay, okay. So Jeffrey Katzenberg, the story goes that whenever he was uh, coming up at Paramount in the 1980s, that he, when he was a fast rising executive on the scene, that he had a model in place where his assistants, he would put his hand out, palm open, and if a freshly cold can of Diet Coke wasn't slapped into that pan within 15 seconds, there would be hell to pay. Now, again, not very rock and roll because it's Diet Coke, but that is the most badass story I've ever heard. And it is something I aspire to. And I often, when we're recording the podcast, Kat, I will often put my hand out with my, with my palm open. And does mm -hmm. Helen slap a can of Coke Zero into it? I do not, no. 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 Well, I was just thinking, Helen, 
He's going to be a freaking nightmare on this podcast tour. <laughs> oh, he's sent an extensive rider already. It's just one line over and over and over again. It just says, put Coke Zero in, uh, in the fridge, put Coke Zero in the fridge. Just over and over. It's like it's like The Shining. Well, actually, that brings me in mind of another story I've heard that I'm not going to share the name of this person. But there was a famous American actor who years ago came to the UK to shoot a film. And there was a young and callow assistant who was working on that film who was assigned to that actor. And the actor <laughs> brought him over and said, uh, oh, hey, by the way, uh, I'd like, I think it was a thousand pounds worth of popcorn in my trailer. Please waiting for me whenever I get back from the day's filming. And this guy absolutely panicked. It's like, you know, and he gave him a thousand pounds. How do I do this? How do I, how do I get a thousand pounds worth of popcorn? But he managed to do it. He ran around London. He called up. This is, you know, before mobile phone, before internet. He called up everywhere he could find, got loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of popcorn and put it like all over, bedecked liberally, this guy's trailer. And this actor comes off a long day's shooting, opens his trailer door, expecting to find a thousand pounds worth of popcorn. That's exactly what he got. But he was angry. Why was he angry, folks? Because popcorn was his code name for cocaine. And so, <laughs> and so <laughs> he was very, very, very upset. So there you go. There's too many euphemisms for cocaine. And in the nineties and journalism, it was fruit and flowers. It's just like, guys, we just, we just need one list. Just, just one. Yeah. Break it down. Chris, thank you so much for coming and, and well, and being on Dr. Pepper's couch today, I guess. Dr. Really. Pepper, that guy, I hate that guy. Uh, on that this has been a lot of fun uh, going from hero to zero uh, with you guys. Uh, I hope that some of what I've said has been usable. One or two bits, I'm pretty sure. Good. Excellent. I will drink to that. It's lovely. Well, Liz has been sitting there for so long, it's now warm and flat. So. Oh, disaster. Oh, thanks. Yeah, uh, podcaster, empireonline.com forward slash pod tour. We're going on tour. We're in Birmingham, March 1st, Norwich, March 6th, Sheffield, March 13th, Dublin, March 21st, and Manchester slash Salford, because they're going to get antsy about that, uh, March 28th. Uh, so go now, ticketmaster.co.uk. We're going to be doing a tour. It's going to be amazing. Yay. Woohoo. Go, everybody. I'll put it in okay. your intro, I promise. Once again, I have never had cocaine. <laughs> Just want to say that for the record. It may feel like that sometimes, but no. Imagine if I did. Jesus. No. I Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I refuse. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I feel touched by an angel, if not an icon, Helen. The <laughs> fact that we had the Chris Hewitt on our podcast. I mean, is... I, I can't get rid of him, really. <laughs> it was it was very kind of Chris to come along, and I am actually grateful to him. Thank you. And also, if you would like to hear more from him, of course, you can hear him every week on the Empire Podcast. You can read him in the pages of Empire Magazine monthly. And he and I are actually going on tour around the UK and Ireland uh, with the Empire Podcast in March. We're going to be in Birmingham, Norwich, Sheffield, Dublin, and Salford. Uh, so if you'd like to go along to that, that you can find all the details at empireonline.com slash pod tour. Plug finished, plug done. It was beautiful. I appreciate all of the plugs. Have we got anything in the mailbag this week? We have a bunch of messages, um, mostly on Twitter, um, because I, I put a, a shout out. Um, and uh, I got a few people uh, asking me some questions, mostly about Coke, because I told them we'd be, we were talking about Coke Zero. So I've got um, Roni Genders, at Roni G87, asking, what's your favorite flavor of Coca-Cola? Is it For me, it's Cherry Coke Zero, not full fat Cherry Coke, Cherry Coke Zero. Very, very important distinction there. I will say a cherry coke is quite 
quite nice, quite good. But I'm I'm partial to a lemon myself. Very controversially, Ooh. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think I went through a phase of trying to find as many as I could. It is the childhood taste of cherry Coke. I don't mind if it's Coke Zero, if it's regular Coke, if it's Diet Coke, if it's got cherry attached to it. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to glug that. I'll be very happy. Mm. There is something undefinable about it. Just as Chris was unable to describe the flavour of Coke Zero Coke at all, it is just something in and of itself. Mm. And that I find completely delightful. I've been trying to think about what it tastes of as well. And I think when, when Milani was talking about, you know, the ingredients in there as last week, that made sense to me. It's like, oh yes, it's a boiled root essentially then mm. sweetened with caramel. Um, and that may be completely wrong, but in my head, that's now what it is. And that makes sense. Like normally when we describe how things taste, it's because we've got the whole food equivalent that we can relate it to. I don't know about you, Helen, but I've not been to Ghana recently and therefore have been unable to dig out a cola nut to then spend the day chewing. Um, yeah. which is remiss of me and I would like to do that <laughs> but yeah you're right I think it's uh, it's hard to to refer it to anything someone a similar question um from bad penguin at jess s-c-h-l-t-n I don't know what's the one coke flavor combination you absolutely loathe lime cherry vanilla lemon etc is there one that absolutely sets you off I'll be honest I thought I was going to hate vanilla I thought it was going to be yeah. too much of muchness but I thought it was actually quite nice when I finally got my hands on some what I was disappointed not to like was I tried that coke galactic thing that they did last year that had all the cool thing on the can and I was like galactic that sounds like me I like sci-fi I'm bound to like this flavor and it just tasted of candy floss or something oh me. yeah no no mm -mm. that's not wanted I really struggled with coca-cola twisted strawberry I mean, mm. what about that doesn't sound amazing. Uh, the answer is all of it. Completely revolting, just vile. It turns out that strawberry and Coke are just two flavors that should not go together. And that's odd because actually, if you've got crap tasteless strawberries, shove some balsamic vinegar and sugar on them and you've just rescued fruit. And mm. that was sort of what I was assuming <laughs> that this is going to taste like. No, just bad. No, just, thanks. Just no, just no win. Yeah, I, 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 that does kind of surprise me as well, but hmm, okay noted we'll stay away from the strawberry flavor um a non-coke related question now from damien fenton at d fenton 21 he says questions i've been asked when i tell people i don't drink is it a medical condition are you a recovering alcoholic is there alcoholism in your family all no by the way some people find a non-drinker to be a tough concept to grasp mm. have you come across similar bewilderment oh no no everybody's been totally fine throughout my entire <laughs> life i'm sure the same is for, uh, the same for you helen so so true uh yeah but really what you know i'm I'm always kind of quite happy to say no i just never started no reason it's not religious it's not moral it's not a judgment on you or anyone else i just didn't start drinking and that always seems to then throw people and then i my particular least favorite reaction is the panicked oh i give up drinking once you know for dry january i did dry january two years ago i don't have a problem no but i'm fine I'm like, I, I don't care. Like with the greatest will in the world, I don't care if you did dry January two years ago because I don't judge you for drinking. I think it's fine if you drink and I think it's fine if you don't drink. So it, it just always seemed like a really, it's almost like a defensiveness. Yeah. Just to me being in the room, not drinking, which I don't, I, that, I don't love that. I'll be honest, I, I really don't. So, no, yeah. completely. It was something I really noticed in my teens and twenties that any person who didn't drink booze was sort of like, oh, you the fun sponge sitting in the corner judging us. I think that was just partly because alcohol was just something that was loosely used to sort of tie a group together and that we'd all be on the same plane or something. But, you know, it was something so particular about booze. It wasn't something like if you didn't take drugs or you didn't smoke dope or something, people were totally fine with that and that was okay. But if you didn't do this one thing, it was odd. It's yeah. something that I've noticed lesson yes as i've got older like through my 30s i mean to be fair in my 30s every other person was running marathons or doing insane well, you did one too things. yes exactly and then like now in my 40s people are either much more chill about people doing their own thing or they've got kids responsibilities or they just react badly to booze in a way that they didn't when they were younger mm. and aren't that fussed about it so much it is nice to be able to not have to worry so much about what people say. Yeah. And it does mean that when people say something like that, it's a bit more of a surprise. 
Mm. And you're like, oh, I haven't had to deal with this in years. Oh, okay. We're back here, are we? Okay. What fun for you. Hmm. The questions never entirely stop, Damien, but I hope that they get asked less often than perhaps they used to. We also, by the way, have influenced somebody at Kieran Lee 1970 um, has gone out and ordered some non-8 um, and the light set of non-15 as well, which sounds um, pretty amazing. Um, non-8 is torched apple and oolong flavor, which I insist we get on pretty much Delicious. This is the Melbourne... I think it's Melbourne, but it's certainly Australian. God, so bad with geography. But the wine alternative that we had tempered with a little bit of chamomile syrup at the Fat Duck last week. Did we mention we went to the Fat Duck, Helen? I, I, don't, I, think, I don't know if we've we mentioned did. it enough, Kat. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we have. I mean, did we mention that we've been there three times? Three times. Oh. Yeah, exactly. A bit revolting, but still. But yes, yeah, so that is very exciting because it was completely delicious and also didn't taste like something. It just tasted like itself, which was awesome. All in favour of that. I will be following, I think, in, in Kieran's footsteps and trying some more flavours myself because I do want to mix some more drinks. I think that's going to be something we're going to be trying over the next few weeks is just making some combinations. So whilst you're away on tour, you're going to go to some alcohol-free bars and I'm finally going to get my ass in gear and go to Club Soda's Tasting Bar in Covent Garden. They've had that open for a while and I'm just dying to go and I might go and do one of their classes actually. They do some really good mixology classes. Elsewhere, Amanda, a mutual pal of ours from publishing, messaged in to flag that folks in St Leonard's-on-Sea having an alcohol-free drinks night on Thursday 29th of February that is from 5 p.m to 9 p.m and they're going to be serving drinks using Pentire, Three Spirit and then teas and coffees as well and that sounds absolutely gorgeous and a mm. nice excuse for a trip to the seaside. Hurrah! I think that's about it for this week isn't it? It is! I'm going to uh, sit here and uh, stroke this lovely cold can of Coke Zero against my face and oh. admire the rather nice decoration on it that's quite beautiful um, <laughs> if you are similarly obsessive about any kind of drink whether it's coke zero or otherwise if you've got a favorite drink that you'd like to share with us flag up something that we're basically idiots for not covering or any other non-booze related gossip then please email us we're at popculturedrinkspodcast at gmail.com and you can also see what and where we've been drinking lately on Instagram, where we're at Pop Culture Drinks Podcast. And you can also find Helen and I on Twitter, X, Coke Zero, Mark Twitter Flavor, or whatever you're calling it these days. <laughs> also, Pop Culture is on bookshop.org. You can read our books, our guests' books, and other books we like while helping to support the show if you just go to bookshop.org and search for Pop Culture Soft Drinks Podcast. I'm away for the weekend this week, so I will be exploring drinks in another part of the country. Ooh. I will probably just be in South London, so I will at least try to get out of zone three and actually do something <laughs> imaginative. But have a brilliant week, everybody. Lots of love and take care. Keep drinking. <laughs> You've made the stick now. It's absolutely infuriating. I can't come up with anything like <laughs> sensible. Oh well. Here it's a good we go. thing neither of us like uses words for a living or anything <laughs> like that. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 